0: Captain Picard, priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Am I ready, room? Hello and welcome. Ready Your Room, the only and longest-running Star Trek, the next-generation rewatch podcast. Ours is the only one hosted by people who are on the set of TNG, saw all the magic happen, and we're here to relay those stories to you, the viewer. My name is Mitchell Mills, Chief Consultant of Services at Paramount. With me is my life partner, Brandon Hobbs. Brandon, how are we today? Doing wonderful, Mitch. Wonderful. Um... Yeah, yeah, uh, for no particular reason, really. Oh. I thought you might have had a reason.
1: Oh, no, no, I mean, I, I, what else is there? I mean, we're watching Trek, we're talking about Trek, we're talking Trek. Talking Trek. You know. Uh, I And uh, we have all these wonderful ensigns. We do. Who listen to us.
0: Talking Trek, I didn't know you were going to uh, leak the title of my memoir, but. Here we are.
1: Well, you know, um, you you've you've been writing it for ten years, Mitch. You got to get it out there at some point.
0: I'll it'll be out when it's ready. Currently, I'm writing the readier chapter, and uh-huh. that's a uh-huh. story that has not yet concluded. The uh, the famous memoir rant, huh? Yeah, yeah. All I, right, all right. Well, it'll be in borders once it's out, and it'll be out when it's out. Okay. Okay, well, my memoirs have no set schedule. Yes, yes. Anyway, fine. I'm wonderful too. bringing it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Um. Jesus Christ, where the hell were we? Uh, yeah, it's it's another week. It's another episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation, which I guess we have to talk Uh, about. Unfortunately, Uh, yes yes um really i've been dreading this whole week talking about another episode of star trek yeah i just can't can't deal with it it's really uh i don't know it sparked a certain fury within me well yeah i mean when when you're dealing with a with an episode like this indeed 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 um but if i don't Restrain myself and you, by extension. We're we're just going to get into it before we answer the questions of our lovely ensigns.
1: Yes, that's yes. right.
0: Uh, every week, for those not in the know, we take a question of the week from the ensigns out there in the Twitter sphere, in the email sphere, and uh, we answer it. So this week's question comes from John in India. And uh, John asks, What, if anything, can redeem the Star Trek franchise at this point. Thank you guys for everything you do. It's nice to have a link back to the good old days of Trek. Well, I... John, I think that's a very arrogant question to ask because I disagree with the very premise of it. Um, Mm. In my mind, Star Trek has never been better uh, than it is right now. Right? Do do, do you you agree with this? Well, yeah. I
1: mean, um, we're talking about we're in the year 2021, right? Right. And uh, we're we're talking about. I mean, for example, our show is concerned with with the TV show from 19, the the late 1980s, hmm. which which was 30 years ago.
0: Um, Let me do some quick it's, it's,
1: napkin math on that. It's it's foolish to think that uh, that we haven't made immense strides in. The 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 morality of our entertainment since then. Mm. There's so a, yes, I do think
0: Trek has been his his has been amazing recently. The thing is that how Trek is now is how it should have always been. Right. There should have always been um, more inclusion at every level of Trek. There should have always been uh, a desire to reach a more multi-level and diverse audience with trek mm-hmm. there's no reason mm-hmm. trek should have been restrained to the um the diehards and uh the the science fiction aficionados only there's room yes for, there's room for everybody in the trekdom and and look
1: i mean even even this is even what what patrick wanted for trek you yes. know um uh, picard himself wanted for trek uh you know we 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 talk to him fairly frequently I'd say. Yeah, on the same. You know, for you know, given given our positions and
0: uh you know, he's just in love with it. Mm. There's it takes a lot to get Patrick to move these days. Um and the idea of Picard and now Picard 2 uh alone would not have motivated patrick to return to the role but once some of the details came out of how it was going to have been evolved from old tng and how it was forging uh, an identity more in line with where trek is now patrick was on board He said, i that's something i want to do um, mm-hmm. and it's night and day in a lot of uh respects just you could take a single scene from old and new track tng and picard and aside from uh advances in you know cameras and resolution tonally and and by the writing they're very very identifiable uh, one as a relic and the other as uh almost as a, par- a paragon of progress i would say
1: yeah yeah um i i would say in terms of new Trek, I mean, there's nothing to redeem, right? And in terms of old Trek, I would
0: say you cannot redeem. You can't redeem what doesn't need redemption.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. So if someone was going to ask me, you know, should we redeem Trek? I would say, do not, do not redeem. Do not, do not redeem. Yes. Right. So I am thrilled. To be working with this uh, property much more now than I was back back in the late '80s and '90s. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a paradigm shift, really. Or as yeah, you know, as Brent's always used to say, a paradigm. Mm-hmm. Mm. So yeah, it's, it certainly is, and the future's bright. You know, let's see what's out there yeah that's that's what yeah that's i mean part. we' we've got a
1: few things in the works, which I mean we can't talk about, of course, but
0: right. well we've we've laid the the groundwork of uh dwarf hinting <laughs>
1: that's right, that's right, well, I mean, don't go too
0: far on that we sure. don't wanna we don't wanna uh spill the beans just yet. Well, the only reason I am being so cavalier is I'm I have like 75% level of confidence that uh the title Dwarf will not be accepted. Right. Yeah.
1: No, it's pre- it's probably going to be a uh, a little more sophisticated than
0: that, indeed, but even more so of any potential revisiting. I'm excited for the new stories to be told of um new, exciting and diverse starfleet captains across many galaxies
1: yes yes um you know especially um women of color with with men's names um who go back to 1980s san francisco Mm. i think i think that's kind of central to the star trek identity now indeed
0: indeed there can't be a decade if a decade of Trek goes by without um, some character going to that really windy road in San Fran, uh, yep. the series will collapse on into itself. Mm-hmm. It's like a scientific law. Indeed, uh, it's a it's astounding, astoundingly interesting phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's
1: it's it's really weird. I mean, it's it's unlike any other TV show that has ever been, really.
0: Right. So no, I don't think anything can redeem Star Trek because it's, it's constantly raising the ceiling for itself in, in quality. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes.
1: I, uh, I 100% agree, Mitch. Um, I don't think we even need to
0: consider the idea of redeeming anything here. Right. So John, Nindia, thank you for your question, but extremely out of line. I would say I am, you're on. You're on watch, Ensign. Putting you on. Yes. Putting you on notice. Yes.
1: Yep. Um, you know, one one more infraction, and it's off to the the uh, the the Andesian coal mines for you.
0: Oh, is that um, is that a Star Trek reference? I think so. It sounds vaguely spacey. Yeah. Um, not that Kevin Spacey ever worked on our show. I want to make that clear. Yeah, let's make that abundantly clear. Yeah, Star Trek is not associated with Kevin Spacey, no matter what his name would imply. So please don't lump us in with uh, those kind of uh,
1: abusers.
0: I yeah, I mean,
1: we've certainly never interacted with Kevin Spacey before either, so...
0: No, I always... on my If you go to my Twitter... Uh, my personal Twitter account right now in the bio, it says Kevin Spacey, DNI, do not mm-hmm. interact. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes. So we're we're being responsible. We are. We are. Um, responsible use of the, the term space. So that's going to do it for our question of the week. We want to thank, thank our ensigns for sending them in. And we want to encourage future ensigns to send in future questions for future weeks. You can send those to TheReadyRoom at gmail.com or DM us at TheReadyRoom on Twitter. Um, We'll read your question and perhaps we'll answer it. So, this week's episode is the... I would describe it as the most upsetting episode. Um, The most upsetting, huh? What was the last episode again? uh, You always ask me these hard quiz questions. Um... Uh, what was the last episode? <laughs> <laughs> um, a time to kill. It was the one with with Will's. Will's what? Will's father. Oh, Will's father. For I was thinking Will Wheaton, Yeah. Uh, yeah,
1: because I, I no one ever refers to Riker as Will. I'm not sure why I did that.
0: <laughs> just to prove a point, I guess. Okay, so yes, that was the the Icarus factor.
1: So, so this is more disappointing than that.
0: I used upsetting.
1: Okay, upsetting. This is more upsetting than that. Yes, it is. Okay.
0: Um, Because this episode has a fundamental misunderstanding of, or rather, uh, misinterpretation of one of the core tenets of Starfleet, which is the Prime Directive. And okay. I, I found this episode's handling of the Prime Directive and more specifically the characters' interpretations of it to be so incorrect and so uh mishandled that it it upset me and made me somewhat angry
1: yes um i mean there's there's of course reasons for that that we'll get into but yes that was a very out of place scene
0: and it's not a throwaway either the entire thrust of the story hinges on it um such mm-hmm. that if if you cut that scene, the story just doesn't work. So you need to have that scene, which means this episode, well, just, to a degree, it's fundamentally so, based around the characters doing their job wrong. The way I understand this episode is that um,
1: it it started off as a very kind of uh, personal sort of sort of story with with a with a with an emotional core to it you know mm-hmm. um and i'm talking i'm talking like first script first draft score to sort of things here um and you know somewhere down the line rick decided you know we needed something a little more uh more heavy sci-fi in it Mhm and uh it kind of just blew it to bits yeah there
0: was go on
1: it was it was it was supposed to be very i mean obviously it 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 still is um very centered on data and his relationship with his child but initially that was that was kind of all there was there wasn't all this kind of mumbo jumbo around yeah um so i think that kind of diluted the theme of the episode and also was so haphazardly put
0: together that it 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 just didn't work no it didn't um it's it's strange for this kind of effects and um set heavy idea to be shoehorned in like one that takes a lot mm-hmm. of resources but it's um A far cry from where the episode started. The tone of Data's relationship with the child, that was completely flipped on its head. Um, Initially, it was, you know, this older Data having uh, a a relationship with a young girl. It was Mm -hmm. written much more negatively to be kind of a a satirical takedown of a lot of Hollywood execs. Um, Yes, yes. And that got lost in the shuffle. producer's you know, stuck their fingers in that pie and said, this isn't going to work. Obviously, these mm-hmm. are the kind of the people that it was meant to be a critique of to begin with. Yeah. So yep. that, the core of it was kept in the sense that, yes, Data does communicate with a young girl, but all of the the, the satire behind it, the, the, the biting commentary behind it was, was stripped, stripped off. Mm-hmm. And instead, mm-hmm. like you said, we had just had, okay, we'll throw a apocalyptic event into there
1: yeah yeah and then and then of course you have you have that uh that horrible horrible scene in Picard's room where they start waxing uh philosophical um in all the wrong ways on on the prime directive which um you know in 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 keeping with the theme of the episode Rick actually assigned this scene to be written by one of our um one of our very young interns fresh out of high school so um
0: I'll give Rick credit. That is a very inspired um, connection between uh, art and reality. Uh, It is. It is. (laughs) But however, the quality of it is. Yeah. It speaks for itself in a lot of ways, but I will also speak for it because this is the scene that really pissed me off the most. Uh, First of all, there's really no reason to do this in Picard's quarters instead of the the conference room. That's that's not at all relevant to my issues here, but I'm just bringing it up to get it out of the way because um, mm-hmm. that was just weird. Now, the only character who speaks uh, sensibly on the issue is Worf. And Worf is very clearly written here to be somebody you don't agree with. Um, mm-hmm. He's supposed to be this, as he always is, somebody who suggests the wrong idea. Uh, Just so the other characters can take it down. (laughs) And he very clearly states that, okay, the Prime Directive says to do this. Our job is Starfleet officers. We follow the Prime Directive, so we should do this. And instantly, people are like, I don't give a shit about the Prime Directive. I don't care what my job is. Right, right. And, well, yeah, if if, if I may, I understand Pulaski having... A very different opinion she traditionally does and being a doctor um she's crusher, in the business of saving people right crusher has also demonstrated this streak earlier right. and, later and in they, the series. They,
1: they are both women this is true um as as well as troy so you know you, you you get you get a few women in the room and um their cycle
0: starts syncing up
1: right right they start talking crazy yes
0: too much estrogen in the air yes yes but nobody has any uh what's the word i'm looking for salient pushback to the idea that we can't do that like that's 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 the the counter arguments that they bring up mm-hmm. we can't do right. nothing and right. no nobody uh yeah. succeeds <laughs> in countering that in any uh again salient way where right. they're, they're just like, oh no, maybe we can't do that. Uh...
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. When when they obviously could have countered that, um, pretty easily. N- not to say that I think the episode should have gone in that direction where they don't do anything, because I think as a as a moral question, I guess when you are so superior to a planet of people that's about to die, and and you're kind of passing by them, you do kind of have a moral obligation to save them
0: see i don't even agree with that i think that Uh, i think moral quandaries are more interesting when the result because you can have a few results you can let's just take the easily morally correct option let's take a winding difficult route to get to the morally correct option and let's stick by our guns and take the more morally questionable option that makes more logical sense and to me, the first two are more or less indistinguishable from one another. It Obviously, as the viewer, I know what human morality dictates. And I know that uh, I'm supposed to look favorably on the main characters. And putting all that together, I know they're going to arrive at that conclusion. So when I'm going through all this rigmarole of, like, should we, shouldn't we, you know, pussyfooting around the question. And then they say, ah, what the hell, let's just do it. Um <laughs> it's just a waste of my time whereas to see characters um have an emotional struggle but ultimately goes make a decision that goes against their more emotional emotional sensibilities for whatever logical reason you can there's a there's a very human struggle inherent in that that is just more interesting to me as a viewer and it's also not a um a given that they're going to land there, uh, which creates some tension and even a bit of surprise when they do make a decision like that. A good example of this was the one with the drug deal, where Picard mm-hmm. sticks to his guns, like, oh, I can't just interrupt the natural course of life on these planets because of the Prime Directive. And um, and he does. You know, he, he, he sticks to that gun, and Crusher's, like, pissed off and... Um, maybe that's not the decision a lot of viewers would have made and maybe they disagree with it that's interesting
1: for this well this 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 is i mean going back to that and this i mean this is an issue where i fundamentally disagree with you um and i i think moral relativism is extremely dangerous and i think
0: i don't think this is a moral uh,
1: relativism situation it kind of is i mean it's 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 you know, it, because that's that's what the Prime Directive is based on. It's it's you know how how can we exact our judgment
0: on a society that? Uh, I don't I don't think that's that's the Prime Directive though. I don't think j- there's any judgment in the Prime Directive. The Prime Directive. That's exactly what it is. That,
1: well, but that's exactly why there's no judgment because because exacting your judgment on a planet that is 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 so far behind you is in violation of a prime directive, but at some point you have to kind of contend with the fact that you're better than other people. Right.
0: And you you have an obligation to help them. I'll be honest, I'm a moral relativist, so I've noticed. Well, it's all coming out. Um I think that the idea that we should let life play out its natural course unmolested is a very, very fine um, rule to live by for for an organization that's regularly going to encounter um, isolated uh, societies.
1: The issue in this case, however, is that they seem to be able to save the planet without anyone knowing.
0: Yeah, I agree that that is incongruent with the problem as presented. Um, Now... I do agree, however, I think we both agree that the
1: scene where they debate this is very trite. It is, because nobody's making any relevant or good points. It's all just. Right. It's, it's, it's just kind of women screaming, you know,
0: we need to save them. Um, also, which is silly. I think the, the standout moment of this being written incorrectly is how emotionally driven data seems to be where he yeah. does not act like data throughout most of the episode aside from you know talking in a lo- matter-of-fact way um well i
1: think i think we need to give some some space for data to develop emotions you know because that's his whole goal
0: you right. know is 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 the but it's not written to be a kind of lasting or a milestone development where um Data acts a certain way and somebody comes up to him later like, you know, you know, Data, that was a lot of empathy you showed. And, um, you know, it's, it's not called out on, called out, and it's not that well defined either. Could be, it's not Data showing emotion as much as it is him acting in what could be an emotionally driven way, which is a distinction I would like to draw. I don't know okay. if they, I don't know if that makes sense but what, well, I, what I, I think
1: mean... I think acting in an emotionally driven way is kind of a natural consequence of you know um, c- conforming to these these human social structures
0: yes but if he doesn't actually show any emotion it just comes off as data not being written consistently there it's there's no exploration of what causes this change of action in data there's no scene of him shedding light on his attachment to to his his pen pal it's the title of the episode um there's nothing instead it's well that's
1: that's where we do disagree i don't think it needs to necessarily kind of
0: have data look at the camera and say like you you know. you know as well as i do there's more ways to expand on this than data looking directly at the camera and saying i feel for the first time <laughs> so let's start with with how this comes on data he's Experimenting with picking up additional frequencies on the the sensors of something. Which
1: can I can I please just interject for just a moment? Sure. Um, He picks this up on an RF signal, which I found to be kind of archaic, Mm. um, and also a little silly. Because there's, I mean, obviously RF signals can travel
0: through space, but I don't know how much time they take. It just, it seems so, why would the Enterprise communicate with RF signals? It's weird for the Enterprise to be doing it, but I guess the idea is that this, because this is a a world that has not developed space travel, they would have to have a a unsophisticated signal. But in any case, Data hears this message and for no conceivable reason does not tell anybody about it. Um, yeah yes (laughs) why he went three weeks yeah it's eight 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 weeks weeks. he went eight weeks and this is not (laughs) something data would not be privy to he's he's, he knows he's communicating with uh, somebody from a world that does not have space travel already Right. right there data should know he's in violation of the prime directive and data is not he's not he should not have the capability to um disobey an order without a very good reason. Uh, yes. And I can't overstate that enough. Like, an extremely important reason. Because this happens later on in the show, but Data is... He always seems to act in a logically consistent way. Except for here. Because there's no reason for this. For him to not share what he has. And I guess I guess this is more evidence toward
1: your argument where this, this whole situation should have been more front-loaded with developing emotion... Right, because there's no there's no other reason for him to have hidden it than, okay, I know this is wrong, but for some reason I feel that I need to hide it because you know the 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 outcome isn't going to be good for this person I have come to care about. Yeah, which um, would
0: have been a very human act.
1: Yes, and it's it's it, you are correct in that it's not explored correctly.
0: There, it's not paced right. Right, there's a very good episode, I think, in the next season, maybe season four. Where they develop some uh, new scientist that they visit develops these uh, robots that um, can do tasks in you know ways or places that are hard for humans to do, and they have this AI that is built to learn and adapt to situations to mm. make them better at doing their jobs. And it comes out that they they have a sentience to them and, The person who made them is very against the idea. It's like, oh, they're not sentient. They just are learning AIs. And the whole episode is based around Data recognizing this sentience and going to bat for these guys when they would inevitably be sent into a uh, a suicide mission, which most people don't care about because they just see them as tools. And what Data does is he... It's like an operation. And he undercuts the operation. He makes it impossible for it to succeed to save those those robots, which he views as life. Mm-hmm. And um he disobeys orders. He goes against uh Starfleet regulations. And when questioned on it, he says, Well, um he's talking to Picard and he says, Oh, you know, Captain, I had people were doubting my my livelihood and you came to vouch for me, so I had to do the same for these things, even if it meant disobeying an order. And it was a very, very good episode about data's Um, development getting closer to humanity and uh, Mm. it was a very good reason for him to disobey orders and regulations none of that is present in this episode
1: yeah um i i do i do however think we need to be careful about examining this character whose entire goal is I mean, I, I agree with you, like I just said, but I, I think we need to be careful about examining this character whose goal is to become human and then say, saying, you know, oh, why is he acting like a human? You know what I mean? acting illogically. Uh Right. Because, because that's, that's his entire, um, that's that, that's, that's his, what's, what's the French word? His, uh. Raison, Raison. Raison Dieter? Something like that, yeah. Um. (laughs) Yes. That's that's his whole reason for existence. So it's I I I want to err on the side of not saying, well, you know, why why is why is he not acting like a computer? Because he's he's not supposed to be.
0: Here's the thing, though, um, Star Trek's not real; it's a television show, and when you're when you watch these things as being <laughs> written by human beings and written with intent, um, and written with fallibility. You, you you can't be that generous with uh, possibilities. I, I think you're being cynical. I think you're being cynical here. I don't know. It's way too easy to look at flaws and attribute them to intent. Where, you know, I was saying before how it would be nice to have a more overt statement on these things. And without that, without that overtness, it's impossible to know what was intended and what was just bad writing.
1: The Um, thing is, I think with Trek, when you have so many collaborators, I think you have to come to accept that things aren't going to necessarily always be developed in a linear fashion.
0: Well, when there's so many uh, collaborators, when there's so many chefs in that kitchen, Uh, I'm more ready to accept that there's flaws. You're readier. I'm readier to accept that there's flaws Um, than I do a lack of general consistency so one of those flaws would just be okay well in this episode data's not really written consistently with how he is presented over the rest of the show uh i think that's more um likely than oh this is kind of an unspoken elegantly handled subtle tip to data's human <laughs> I'm not development saying it's elegantly
1: handled i'm not saying it's elegantly handled i'm saying that i can suspend my disbelief to uh to to believe that data um is trying to access some kind of human emotion here and is acting illogically because of it and i'm not saying I'm not saying the episode is structured well because of it or or anything like that, and I'm not trying to posit it as an excuse for what the episode itself is mm. I'm just saying I think we need to be careful
0: about. Criticizing the episode f- through the lens of Data. Yes. That's like, all. I- I'm not going to speak in absolutes. There's certainly the possibility that what you're suggesting has uh, suggesting has legs. But when viewed in the context of the series overall and every other step of Data's human development, having, um, I don't know, a decompression scene. Reflecting on, yeah. on how far he's come, and this sure. this has nothing to call it out. Um, it's very difficult for me to look at it as intentional. And I think that, and that makes me okay. Go ahead. Compounding that issue is the idea that if it's unintentional, it's actually just bad writing. It's it's inconsistent. Sure. Had it been sure like neutral or positive, like those were the two possibilities. I'd be a lot more favorable on it, but when the the other possibility is is a, a a grave mishandling of the character, I can't help but perhaps be a little cynical. I do want to note that up to this point,
1: um, for for several episodes leading up to this, Data has been the slapstick character as well. This is true. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> um, but. Uh, more seriously, it, it it makes me it makes me want to more examine the structure of the episode than data as a character. That's all.
0: Yeah, I might be focusing because, on because the I, wrong I think, things.
1: I think it's and it's 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 not necessarily it's not that you're focusing on the wrong thing. I think you're just I think the 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 way we're kind of presenting it is uh, should 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 be different. Mm. Um, and. I guess my point is, Data as a character could easily get to this point. I,
0: I respond, and, and all it
1: would take is, is a restructuring of the episode. And it's, it, it's. I think, I think the, I think the, the, the core issue is that it's not an issue of Data is acting out of character. It's, it's. It, there's not enough explanation for Data acting the way he he is which is entirely believable
0: yes okay i can accept that i responding to that i i do think that my issue not so much is the result but the lack of screen time to getting there where that's basically it yeah, yeah. and the, that's that's where our issue with that stupid scene in picard's room comes from right right well one of the issues the other characters don't act uh really well either uh, really consistently either with uh what they should be as a, as a Starfleet officer,
1: well that's that that's 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 another issue
0: where it's like it's it's not the resolution. it's it's how they get there, right, but right, presumably, um they've all had the same training if Picard's steadfastly going to <laughs> uphold the well you you don't know,
1: maybe twenty years is a is a long time for Starfleet regulations, perhaps,
0: and in Pulaski's, you know, like what ninety years old? She, she's oh god. So I and I can buy the differing perspectives, but I just find it difficult to accept that the notion we have to uphold the prime directive is this controversial. I think it could have
1: been framed better. It could have. But I, I, it's... I, I do not. I do not agree with the idea that allowing a bunch of allowing a planet of people to die for no reason is controversial isn't controversial
0: yes i can get that but this seems like the kind of thing that like this is well within what the prime directive is for um i I guess i guess this should have already been ironed out right it (laughs) when, when you're learning about the prime directive in the academy it's not something trivial like oh you know Two small countries on a on a planet are having a dispute over territory. Um, don't step in on that. It's more don't
1: of... don't d- don't airdrop Dippin' Dots to to this planet.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's more for things like this, things that have extreme consequences.
1: Yeah, and I I, I guess that's that's where the real uh, tension comes from here um, with 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 us in this episode is this should never have been a question
0: the moral relativism on display here is not between uh starfleet and this civilization it's more between us and the idea of the prime directive as a as an entity um as a, uh, as, a as a principle like is this uh-huh. even okay is moral relativism as a as a concept is that okay that's i guess that's the question being asked here and um, I just wish the answer wasn't. Nah, our morals are the best. Yeah, you know, pretty flatly. Like, yeah, we're right. Well, look, I understand how it
1: makes for uh, maybe a little bit of a less compelling episode of TV, but um, at some point, someone has to make a decision. You know, it, like like we we can't have episodes and episodes of of the Enterprise encountering a, a conflict, a local conflict, and saying, well, you know, we can't judge, and throw their hands up and just run away, you know?
0: Well, again... It doesn't make sense. Again, Star Trek's not real. They, they didn't have to write the situation to be based around, well, do we follow the Prime Directive or don't we? Do we let people die or don't we? The episode where... <laughs> um... Well, sure, but, but what I'm
1: saying is I fundamentally disagree with you on the conclusion of that drug episode.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll keep hashing this out until we're both dead. Um, <laughs> a more... So, later on in the series, they do an episode where people observing a primitive civilization are exposed, and that civilization comes to revere them and eventually Picard as gods. And mm-hmm. what do you do? Like, the Prime Directive has been violated. How do you handle that? That's a good example of having a Prime Directive issue without making a do-we-don't-we situation of about just killing a bunch of people. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, I, 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 so what you're saying is we didn't need to involve the Prime Directive at all here. Well, what I'm saying is that you can involve the Prime Directive, you just don't need to make it um, continuously be about preventing cataclysmic events. Um, well, because I
1: don't think we ever needed to mention the word Prime Directive in this
0: episode. With, with the... Once we discover that... You can help this planet from afar. Right. Yeah. Right. And that's it. And so so it's like, you know, the prime
1: directive... And here's my interpretation of the prime directive. It's like, you you have this relatively primitive planet who's not... They're not mentally ready to deal with a universe full of other people. Right. So that's why you kind of protect them from themselves. Because if if you introduce them to an alien species even one you know then you know maybe they start a war with each other or they they are are cast into a universe of people that they can't relate to and they start a war with someone else right so it's it's only at the point where they they become they become a little more open to to allowing other people to kind of exist around them i guess um that that you let them Become aware of the
0: universe around them, and that's that's the only point where where the prime directive should matter. I guess the issue is that there's two conflicts in this episode, and they don't connect to each other very well, despite seeming like they should. And mm-hmm. that that is a the issue of how to best solve this planet's problem, and b the issue of data communing with this child at all. Right. Um, those are they seem like they should be related, but they're really not. And they're not. And that's the folly of this episode is trying to tie both of them up in one prime directive bow because you can make an episode about Data being this girl's pen pal and the prime directive implications of that versus Data's, I don't know, more budding emotional uh, appeals to to having this friendship, right? That's Mm -hmm. a conflict you can have. Well, and that's what this episode should have been. Yeah. And or you can do the cataclysmic do we don't we situation. Maybe you don't you make interacting with the race core to solving the problem, and then it's more interesting from a prime directive. And perspective. and that's
1: it. that's it because at the at the end of the day they they pretty much solved the problem off screen
0: and then flew away. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of all for naught. Yeah. So these two threads not logically connecting with one another relative to the. Uh, Philosophical conceit to the episode. Uh That's that's a big issue. Right,
1: right, yeah. I I guess I agree. And I mean, it's um, it's an issue of again, you know, as we started this episode out. This was supposed to be a very data centric kind of communicating with. I mean, Maurice loved this script because it was the idea of uh, a kid on a uh, kinda kinda uncivilized planet, relatively speaking, sending out radio signals, asking if anyone's out there, you know. It's a very romantic setup. Exactly, yeah. And that's what it was supposed to be. And then you know at some point it was like it just became we need to add some some hard sci fi stuff to this or something. You know, some more it needs to be called tricks. Yeah, so so it ended up being kind of at odds with itself. You
0: know what's wild about all this? It's that, that the B plot of of Wesley Crusher also mm. has um, a plot potential. Like it has legs. Wesley Crusher yes. is leading a team. I actually really team. like that. Yeah. Can we can, can we do our usual and just like start from the beginning here? We got to it, because it's it's strange where there's two compelling plots and neither kind of kind of works so well. But yeah, let's let's do that. So to start from the very beginning, um Riker says the most baffling line I've ever heard in Star Trek. Uh, Let me pull this up. So they're talking about <laughs> this star system. And Riker just chilling in the captain's chair says this and I quote, these planets live fast and die hard. <laughs> the, the question is why? and it's just like riker millions of people are dying on these planets what do you mean what do you mean they live fast and die hard you you would think you'd
1: have a a little more than than casual concern for uh for these people (laughs) (laughs) i wrote that line down because it was just so vexing it vexed me very very silly stuff um
0: and meanwhile picard is is trying to ride a horse Yes, it's, it's like, we've had this whole philosophical, um, emotional discussion on moral relativism. And by the way, the episode starts with Picard on the holodeck with a horse, which has its own just amazing stories behind it. Um, and that was, I mean, that was all, that was all Patrick, right? Yeah, yeah. Patrick, he was pushing really hard to have a horse, particularly a white horse. And, mm-hmm it just occurred to me how ridiculous this sounds, but <laughs> um, when he was, when we were in the workshopping phase of what the holodeck was going to be, uh, Patrick suggested the horse because what was the quote? I wrote this down. I, this sticks in my mind. I think about it all the time. It was, um, it was, it was a little inappropriate as I recall. Yes. He he wrote that he wanted something that will quote, look like my massive white cock. <laughs> And I don't know if this was the, the show chauvinism of the time or just like the male ego, but yeah. And then we get this white horse, he mounts it uh, and you know, it, it did. It did look it like It certainly that. did. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, And I'd, I'd be remiss if, if I didn't mention that uh, he, he kept trying to have that horse killed in, in like a battle scene. Right. Just for the majestic
0: of it i guess
1: yeah well so i mean it, it it the final episode it ends up that picard is kind of an equestrian right right but uh but it, P- patrick was saying the, the entire time how equestrians are all nonces. you mm. know his word his word <laughs> and so he was like you know if it's all the same we might as well get a few sword fights into these holodeck scenes and um you know his, his whole idea was he's going to be Riding the horse, you know, with a sword. You, you know what I mean? Like Lord of the Rings type stuff. Right. As, as I guess we understand it now. Um, which never really worked out because there was that uh, there was that sword foragers strike at the time. Really threw a wrench into production. Yeah. Um, certainly didn't throw a sword
0: in it. No, that's that's actually what we wanted to happen.
1: <laughs> so, so Picard ended up indeed being um, just a lover of horses. Much to Patrick's chagrin.
0: I, I always get a little uncomfortable when they refer to horses and animals in general as beasts. I don't know why, but it it, yeah. it makes me a bit uncomfortable. Now, here's something. <laughs> here's something just to, to note. Patrick, when called away from the—not Patrick, Picard—when called away from the holodeck, <laughs> think, thinks it's prudent to, you know, um, I don't know, tie up the horse, like station it to something so it doesn't run away. Despite mm-hmm. it being, you know, fake, not real, like he's just gonna turn off the simulation when he leaves the room. He's like, right, oh, so I, it I gotta disappear. Right, I gotta gotta tie up the horse so it doesn't get away. It's that like, is a good observation. I don't know why, but it stuck out immediately to me. And <laughs> you can make you're very charitable when when viewing these things. You can make the argument, oh, you know, Picardy will do things the proper way, and he's. He's ridden right. horses before, and this is just natural <laughs> to him. But, you know, it's it's like those people who, you know, those video game players. Like, oh, I have to walk my character to the front of his bed before I save the game. Because it's <laughs> like he's going to sleep. It's an extended well, role play. I guess, I guess it's more of a, uh, you know, you, people kind of need a schedule, you know. People need routine, so. Yeah, it's secondhand for Picard to... Of course he would never leave his horse on uh Right, on right. He's floor. got to tie his horse up. Right. He is an equestrian, as we noted. Yes. He, uh, he's, a, uh, he's a descendant of Equestria. So... So, right after this, right, we have this, like, meeting? Um, Picard comes to the bridge, and they mention how planets have been exploding. And then they call a meeting about Wesley. Right. Crazy? The call
1: meeting about Wesley. Yes, which
0: I thought was very odd that Pulaski was involved. Same, but I loved that scene. I thought <laughs> I, I, I don't know about you. I thought that scene was excellent. I thought it was um very human and yeah. very sincere and very realistic in in everyone's approach to, yeah. to the discussion.
1: I mean I yeah, I, I think it was good. I mean, except for the fact that Patrick completely flubbed one of his lines.
0: Well, it wasn't perfectly executed, but it was well written. The intent was I mean, there.
1: It it ended up making sense, but um but so so Picard's supposed to cite this this adage and, and and Patrick He says something about putting too much weight on a young back. Right. Um but the adage is actually um it's actually putting too much weight on a young buck. Mm-hmm. Of course, for fear of breaking him. Uh, and I'm not sure why we ended up using that take.
0: I remember this actually. That why uh, that made it in. It's because of Patrick's accent. Nobody was really sure if he had said back oh. or if that's just how he pronounced Buck. And, yeah. you know, he's the star. Who's going to Who's gonna ask him if he made a mistake? Yeah.
1: Right, right. Yeah, I, I guess I could see that. I mean, we had um, we had Rick back, which is only I think only his second time directing, so I, I can understand why he'd be a little hesitant right
0: yeah no one's got the i don't know the cojones to waltz up to pat pat stew and say hey did you fuck up (laughs) (laughs) you know how to read you idiot (laughs) yeah
1: yeah so I, i i i guess i get it um but overall
0: yeah i did like the scene and i like what it sets up same um First of all, the idea of, okay, first time as a leader is a very relatable story for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, except for the
1: people who tend to watch Star Trek because they've never had to lead anything in their lives. Well,
0: oh, that's true. But it's, it's a almost almost universal event in coming of age. And the concern that everybody shows for Wesley is also very natural. Um, mm-hmm. like, oh, I want him to grow, but I don't want to put too much pressure on him. Um, what should we do? What's best for him? It's a very, very, uh, village raising a child kind of thing. And yeah, I thought the scene worked really well. And I think that scene was aided by the fact that Dr. Crusher was not on the show at the time Yeah, um, where there's no, nobody who can reasonably, reasonably say, oh, I know what's best. For Wesley, right, right,
1: yeah, you're right about that. That's that's a, that's a good
0: observation. So I was very, I don't know if I'd say excited, but I was very interested to see where this this plot thread would go, and this ended mm-hmm. up being the B plot. Um, could have been the A plot. It easily
1: could have been. But and a- it could have been probably the first time I I've ever been
0: interested in Wesley Crusher. Right. More than romantically, right. of course, yeah, romantically, maybe sexually, right. okay. I don't want to put too much um, significance yeah. there, but no. after this, the a plot is set up because data is just fucking around with some electronics in a very mm-hmm. inelegant way. It's like oh, I'm, oh my God, we have a rip- we have a dwarf scene. We have a dwarf scene. So this is more foreshadowing of you know dwarf relations, but yeah. Data has a bunch of circuitry strewn over the ground. And um, Worf comes up. He's like, what are you doing? And Data's like, oh, Mm -hmm. I'm fucking with the RF signals, Worf. Get out of here, asshole. Mm. And um, Worf goes to walk away and he trips over the electronics. And Data's like, oh, I'll move that to my quarters. But it's (laughs) it's funny because it's like this subversion. You would expect Worf to be the, you know, the... the That's the word I'm looking for. The more dirty uh haphazard yeah, of the yeah. bunch when it's actually data who is right. n- not fastidious and um it's you know it subverts your expectations it sets up the wharf the dwarf dynamic it's mm-hmm. uh it's a cute little mm-hmm.
1: scene it is yeah and i mean it really has legs uh we're we'll we'll see where it goes of course uh from an audience perspective um
0: uh, but actually. A much more important scene than you would think. Insofar as setting up the episode and setting up Dorf, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that is the A-plot. Now, am I alone in this? When you first heard the voice clip come on of uh, the child saying, Is anybody out there? Did you understand that perfectly? Because I had to rewatch it to catch what she said. No, I understood it. Um, I guess I'm retarded.
1: I thought it was... Uh... A clip taken from like Elfman and the Chipmunks, but.
0: Well, they had to pitch up the girl because we wanted it. They had to. We wanted it to sound alien. And we were like, okay, well, this person has to speak with a pitched up voice. Now, I don't know why they did this, but they decided to pitch up Michael's voice instead of the child actors. I think her delivery Mm. just might have been off. So we needed, yeah. we needed somebody with, with acting chops And it was like oh you know Michael get in there Whatever we'll just pitch it up It won't sound like he was fine So a little, uh, a little easter egg in that Yeah yeah um, A man of many hats Indeed not the least of which being the wharf forehead prosthetic <laughs>
1: um,
0: So let's, let's keep talking about this Wesley thing Because he He has to put together a team yeah, he does, and not uh, not in a hokey putting together a team kind of way. Right,
1: not like not like a Marvel kind of way, but right. uh, and most importantly, he's putting together a team of people who are older and
0: more experienced than he is. And I want to point out people who are not members of the Main Bridge crew, right? <laughs> Luckily, um, so people he doesn't have a friendship with, he's uh, he's uncomfortable talking to them, and especially uncomfortable leading them and telling them what to do
1: which is, you know, it is very relatable. I mean, obviously Wesley is um a ridiculous savant.
0: Right. Which aside Which is unbelievable, uh, but aside from him being given this position in the first place, that savantness does not really come up in this episode, which I liked.
1: Yeah, uh, sure. I mean, if if you kind of just take everything at face value here.
0: Yeah. It, you could re- change Wesley's character to an age-appropriate um, Academy inductee who is just smart, yeah. Um, yeah, not necessarily genius, but smart. And this episode would work the same way. It doesn't hinge on Wesley being, uh, you know, better than everybody else.
1: For sure, yeah, and it is it is extremely relatable. You know, where you know you, you you have these situations where you do have to kind of make decisions for people who are older than you and should be smarter than you, you know, but right. Uh, I, I I did like that, and I liked where it was going until nothing happened.
0: Yeah, there's that moment where Wesley's trying to build up his confidence. Like, how do I how do I give orders to people, Riker? And Riker kind of yeah. Riker gives him, I think, appropriately cryptic device. Or advice. I, I, device. I think
1: Frakes, like, I think Frakes forget forgets his line oh, yeah. halfway through that that scene. I can't remember exactly what the
0: line was, but he kind of like pauses in the middle of it. Well, I'm not one to question Frakes' method. Of, of acting and it might have been intentional the man's an enigma you know this as well as i do um, there is there is a one
1: line from wesley that i do want to point out as being incredibly stupid okay i'm ready so he's he's worried about he's like he's talking to, to Riker, and he's, he says you know how do i it's it's something like how do i issue orders to someone who is more experienced than me right? yeah and Riker says something like, is this an ego thing? And Wesley responds, oh, it's the opposite of ego. But no, it's literally ego. It's 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 what if I issue orders and I'm wrong, and then I'll have an egg on my face.
0: It's literally just ego. <laughs> I, I think as presented, that's right. But later lines give context to it. Uh, what if I get somebody killed? Um, I think that yeah. it's it certainly looks like an extreme contradiction. To begin with, Um, but in the context of the larger conversation, um, Wesley is concerned for others, but in as Riker in that situation, a response of "Wait, that is an ego thing" should be uh, is warranted because Riker doesn't. I think. I think if
1: if we're gonna start getting philosophical, I think. I mean, even at that point, it's still an ego thing. It's still like, "Oh, I messed up." sure sure it's my fault you know
0: yeah fair enough i, I think it's, that it's, that's, it's that's a failure writing. to kind of
1: separate separate yourself from separate your own kind of uh others view separate of you view. yeah 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 that's that's basically it It's 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 a failure to separate your public image from from what you're supposed to be doing
0: so this is all, I think, handled pretty well for the most part. Um, Wesley has his team, and he goes to tell them something to do. They raise a reasonable concern. Wesley doesn't have yep. the strength to, to push forward through that. He seeks advice on it. Riker's advice, like I said, is appropriately cryptic. You don't just want to... Um, you want someone to, to, to grow naturally, so you don't want to tell them exactly what to do. It's like, oh, all right, well, mm-hmm. here's the point of view you should be thinking about this with. Go think about it. Hopefully, you'll reach the right conclusion. And, yeah. and Wesley does. He's like, all right, I need you to do this thing. Now, where this falls apart a little bit for me, and this is a victim of it being the B plot, I believe, is that the person who had provided pushback to Wesley from the start just says, oh, yeah, OK, I'll do it.
1: <laughs>
0: well, I think that's that's actually kind of genius it's, because it, it, yeah. it shows how in his own head Wesley was. That's true. And it's consistent with how professionals should be acting. Like, this is called out several times. Like, oh, these people are professionals. Don't. Right. um, Don't let emotions get in the way. They'll understand. And then they do. But as a... um, It's a little unsatisfying for the viewer. It's not... Again, I think because this is the B-plot, you just need this to wrap up quickly and... It just so happens to be that the the logical way everybody should act wraps it up quite quickly. Um,
1: yeah, uh, I suppose so. I think the big plot messed up here is that they kind of they they continue doing their job after this sort of off screen and just solve the entire episode.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's like, all right, Wesley, do you think you can do it? I think I can do it. No, I I don't want to. I think I want you to say I'll do it. We'll do it, Captain. And then they go do it.
1: And they do it. Yeah, yeah with, without, without any real um,
0: conflict or, or anything like that. I guess there's always a struggle between what is satisfying to write on screen versus what is realistic for people to do. Yeah, sure. And we have, myself in particular, always have misgivings of, oh, this isn't written realistically or this isn't consistent yeah. with how the character would act. But I guess it is better television. And this is one case where I can't take too much umbrage with it not um, being satisfying to watch because it is written supremely realistically um, for what should yes. be happening.
1: And we don't want to devolve into melodrama
0: mm. either. So Exactly. it There's a version of this where somebody's like I'm not going to take orders from this kid. Um, right. And Wesley, you know, puffs up his chest and he's like well i'm the commanding officer ensign uh you, you you've been commanded to take orders from me now do them and it's like this whole thing and you know who gives a yeah. shit so, yeah so ultimately yeah i think this was handled pretty well i just wish again that it could have been an a plot
1: yeah sure i think i think this does deserve its own episode i think it's thematically deep enough to to have the kind of presence in a script
0: can I am um, asking sincerely can you imagine a version of this episode where this is the A plot and Data's pen pal is the B plot and uh a lot of the cataclysmic stuff is more background dressing Well I don't think we need the cataclysmic stuff Well some problem for Wesley's team to be solving maybe it's not oh, cataclysmic yeah, sure, sure, but sure, sure, sure yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah I absolutely can't imagine that and I can imagine it the other way around too where Data's pen pal is the A plot and Wesley is the B plot but the the catac- Again the cataclysmic stuff Is kind of taken off the table Because it, it serves no one
0: Right And it certainly doesn't serve anybody well As being the focal point Around which the, the climax revolves
1: Because, because the, the focus Of the episode Gets taken away from both the A and B plot And gets kind of redirected towards The, the well-being of this Entire planet of people Which is not what we should be focusing on
0: yeah um well i described you want to
1: go on yeah no go ahead no go ahead no you go ahead Hmm? well i i was going to redirect the conversation
0: um i guess i was not so i'll go on um yeah i described this episode initially as upsetting focusing on the handling of the prime directive but there i thinking more about it there is a lot in this episode that does work well um data the idea of data forming a pen pal and the implications Mm -hmm. of that wesley's um situation also works very well yeah i might be focusing too much on the literal interpretation of the prime directive missing well it's hard not to focus on it because
1: it's it's kind of it's it's shoved right up front and center in the middle of all this other stuff and it's like well you know now we're talking about this right so like i mean what I'm saying is you're not at fault for viewing the episode through that lens. It's just a shame that it has to be viewed through that lens because there, there are two plots that are working very well on their own or that could work very well on their own. And they're just not given the time to, um, do you want to, do you want to talk about data's friend a little bit more? Because I I feel like we haven't talked about that too much.
0: What was her name? Um,
1: suffragette. <laughs> what was it? Hold on. Let me let me pull up the
0: script. Uh Sarjenka. Sarjenka, right. In yep, in yep, influence yep, yep. of of Jankum coming in through the script. Played
1: yes, yes, yes. Uh we 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 had some big Jankum fans on the team on the Raiders team. Um played by Nikki Cox who would be in Terminator 2.
0: Right? Right. Um in several
1: a- several other Dumb TV shows as well in the
0: titular role. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yep, as the Terminator 2.
0: Unfortunate um.
1: name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, truly, truly. Sounds like an Irishman.
0: Does um. it? What?
1: Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna nick you Cox. cocks. Oh, yeah. okay. He's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna nick him in the, in the cocks. He's he's gonna steal he's gonna steal your penis. <laughs> um. How did you know one of my <laughs> greatest fears? <laughs> an an Irishman walking into your room at night and just pulling your penis off.
0: That's why I was always very uncomfortable around Calm. Yeah, I mean,
1: yeah, I I think I think we all were.
0: Speaking of the the main character in Colm and O'Brien, why does O'Brien refer to uh, Nikki's character? as that like are you gonna take that on the bridge like what the fuck (laughs) well you see
1: he's a layman um and and therefore uneducated and
0: irish you know so but the thing is an irish Uh, person talking down about another life form is kind of you know well that's the irony
1: that's that's the irony and that's why we kind of view them as lesser is because they don't know their own place gotcha
0: that makes sense right so yeah
1: um very very ugly prosthetics, huh?
0: Yeah, I when when she put her hands up and it's like that long pinky, it's like all right, you're really reaching for ways to make this not um a human. Really right. reaching, right? It's like, "Oh, what if what if yeah. her pinky was longer?" It's like okay. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um God, just
0: it's it's so gross uh, we had to... it's it's such a gross looking thing it is and it created a lot of problems on set of like always minding her and Brent in relation to one another
1: oh yeah 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 we had to be really selective about uh, about filming scenes where they would like touch each other right cuz there was there was this chemical reaction from um from the paint they both had on their skin i mean it was full body paint and when when they touch each other it would release this potentially potentially deadly neurotoxin. Uh and we wanted to minimize that as much as possible. So, we only had what like one or two scenes where they were touching each other and we all we all kind of had to come in in like the full gear, you know.
0: I mean, they were wearing those masks too. That's why the shots are always um close-ups of the hands and yeah. sometimes depending on how it was framed, we could not apply the paint to one or both of their palms to avoid direct contact. There was a lot of trickery and framing and such. So the times where you can see painted skin touch, painted skin minimized. Yeah. And and this, this, I mean, people don't really think about this kind of stuff now because this was back
1: in the eighties. So, So, um, what we had to work with with was really limited.
0: A real wizard of Oz situation of just, um, putting actors at risk for certain effects.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean they were dedicated. What can I say? Yeah. I
0: mean they were the ones who were in real danger, those two. Right? And that, you know, that 10-year-old kid really understood the gravity of the situation she was in. Yeah, we we made sure of that. Right. Um a lot of screaming at her. You know, it was like, "Don't fucking touch him." Right. <laughs> you know? It's like, "What right. are you doing?" Well, I, she 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 could not remember. Yeah. I mean, children are. They say never work with children or animals and we did both. With this episode, yeah,
1: frequently, yes.
0: Um, this is a different issue, but do you have any take any umbrage with the idea of Beta Zoid having just cats?
1: A Beta Zoid having cats?
0: Well, t- Troy's Troy. Troy is. <laughs> whoops, <laughs> um, is 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 like. <laughs> I back on Beta Z. I had a cat. Uh, I had a Beta Zoid cat. Um, yeah
1: I guess I guess I do take umbrage with that. It's kind of dumb, right? It is a little dumb um but I would kind of expect betazoids to be evolved from humans the same ancestors humans anyway. What does that
0: imply? I don't know like if humans evolved from you know earth things and are you saying that humans went to Beta Z and procreated or that? Yeah. So, I mean, th- think about it this way.
1: We have like thousands and thousands of years of basically unrecorded history, right? In the real world. Mm-hmm. So who's to say we didn't develop an advanced civilization, travel to the stars, and then we declined on Earth and had to rebuild?
0: Is this an Atlantis situation?
1: Uh, it's kind of like an ancient aliens kind of thing. But I yeah, I suppose so. Pyramids and stuff.
0: I buy that. I, I a, it's possible. I have a deep-seated interest in uh, alt history. Yeah. Which I mean, I don't know. I th- I think it works pretty well,
1: so. Uh I'm not too I'm not too put off by by a beta zoid having a cat.
0: Okay. Here's another um random uh take. So in this episode yeah. we see the resurgence of Picard's um hate of children or uh, yep. innate discomfort with them did you find that to be uh jarring like the resurface? it was overacted it, it was yeah. it was certainly overacted and it was almost immediately softened where picard sees the um the fear in the girl and says all right data you can you know keep her by your station just be mindful of her um, yeah and that was delivered again with such a softening that it's Uh, almost whiplash from picard's overreaction patrick's overacting from
1: it was almost like it was put in there by necessity in order to to preserve picard's quote character
0: yes i feel that i feel that but you know it it's like the the scene was written and the writer remembered oh wait picard hates children i gotta pay lip service yeah
1: exactly that's exactly what it was so it ends up being just like who cares Right, like just leave leave it alone. Uh, like we're we're already this deep into this horrible horrible plotline, so why bother?
0: Picard's um, discomfort with children should not be um, an on-site hatred of them, but a, a an awkward fumbling when having direct yeah. interaction. Which... Yeah, he he should he
1: should not be aware of his uncomfortability with children.
0: Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, discomfort. Uh,
1: Discomfort with children.
0: <laughs> don't worry, I also invent words very, very frequently. <laughs> um, this, again, later in the series is is shown that way when he has to um, shuttle some children around the Enterprise on a tour. And he just yeah. kind of doesn't really know what to do with them. And um, leading up to that, he's just kind of like, oh, I got to talk to these kids. I don't want to do it, but, you know, I'm going to do it. Um, Yeah, and, you know,
1: maybe, maybe I could come to terms with with Picard kind of um, ascending consciously, but most people don't have that level of awareness about
0: themselves. Yes, and there just shouldn't be any venom in this situation. It's kind of uncomfortable to take it from, okay, Picard doesn't know how to interact with children to Picard hates children. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's it's
1: it's one thing to say like he doesn't know how to how to talk to them but it's a whole other thing to say he doesn't want to see them right which is just it's it's psychotic
0: it is it is um the final uh you know sampling platter in this in this happy family <laughs> uh, that I have for you is data stealing um Pulaski's singing stone i think it's called mm-hmm just, yeah. just just taking it <laughs> yes like, well, i hope you didn't want that back this this thing that you liked enough to display on your desk which for um someone who is uh, is
1: is morally trying to conform to human beings uh, the best that human beings can be i guess is very out of character
0: it is and you know Pulaski is a pretty emotional person she would probably not have problems relinquishing it to this child who right um you know was very uncomfortable at the time and kind of was distracted by this stone but you know you gotta ask right maybe he did ask and it was just off camera <laughs> i certainly don't want the scene of just uh, data entering pulaski's office say hey, doc can i take this and she, yeah sure
1: may i have the singing stone <laughs>
0: uh well see you can't have it both ways you can't i i've been finding more and more about myself that uh i talk out of both sides of my mouth on a lot of these issues <laughs> um
1: i have a piece of trivia for you sure uh, this is the first time that picard has actually been able to drink his earl gray tea
0: <laughs> a wonderful statistic yeah Good for him. He earned it.
1: He did. He did. Last time he ordered it, it came out as like like a plant or something.
0: Right. Like oh, there's a virus in the, the Enterprise. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um. There's. There's. I don't know if you remember this because I sure don't. But all I have in my notes is qu- like a quote. Okay. Quotations. Oops. Yeah. needed to Picard.
0: <laughs> Data, this is when Data goes to visit Picard in the holodeck and he outs his uh, communications with the girl.
1: He says, oh,
0: Captain, I've been in contact with this person from the planet for three weeks now. And Picard has this um, knowing oops, because he knows that this is a huge prime directive violation. (laughs) It seems a little out of character, don't you think? No, because it wasn't like an, it wasn't an oops. It was a more resigned oops, you know, uh, oh. you know, Data, you've, you've really stepped in It this. just seems like a silly thing to say. It worked for me. I don't know. Okay. Iso- okay. Isolating that line, because it seems like that kind of thing where I wrote this down, I don't remember it so well. I think if you rewatched <laughs> it and paid attention to Picard's uh, tone, maybe you would be more forgiving of it. Maybe. Okay. Okay. And maybe not. I mean, maybe you'd watch it and just be like, this is silly. But yeah, yeah. It, I'm, I didn't mind it. All right. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Do we have anything else to cover with this episode? Kind of seems like we've gotten it. I, yeah, we we really we really toured a new one. What do you think about it? Like, if you had to sum up your feelings on it, because mine have evolved.
1: Yeah, mine have too. Actually, I think it's God. I say this every episode, but it's like it's it's full of good <laughs> ideas. Um, in this in this particular case, we can really pinpoint where it collapsed, and it, it is that prime directive problem yeah and despite it being a quote bad episode i would even i would recommend people watch it probably just because i i really liked what it tried to do in some cases
0: i buy that um i think that while i initially described it as extremely upsetting i'm comfortable viewing it more as a middle of the road thing having recognized some of the good points it had going on Mm -hmm. and with that in mind, I would also recommend it. I'd probably say it's like a fifty-five percentile episode, which is pretty fine.
1: Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. I mean it's it's not uh it's not the worst we've seen. I mean it was consistently entertaining for the most part.
0: Yes. So I'll I'll accept this. Um this is the episode where I truly recognized how weird Data's haircut is. Just gonna throw that in there. It's yeah. kinda gross. I haven't really thought about it until now. Yeah. It's like, oh Brent just had to have that haircut for years of his life. <laughs>
1: oh, can you imagine?
0: Oof. Do you have any trivia for me this week? Um hmm. uh,
1: I don't know. Okay, how about this? Do you think do you think Sargenka shows up again?
0: In Extended Universe?
1: Yeah, sure, sure, sure.
0: Yes. Yes, I do. Because I don't think that extended universe writers are creative enough to not revisit every possible well from okay. from the show proper.
1: Okay. Uh what medium do you think she shows up in? Definitely
0: a novel. Definitely okay. a novel. Um now are you are you just getting my opinion or is there a uh is there an answer coming well yes yeah, so I, I i
1: i just uh, i just navigated to the the memory alpha page your favorite website my favorite website um she shows up in the the core of engineers ebook series
0: all right do we count
1: ebooks where, as novels i suppose yeah um dremaphore is invaded by a species known as the exiles and then becomes a federation protectorate after they cast out the invaders the now grown Sarjanka becomes the first Dremon in Starfleet Aww. enrolling in. in Star-
0: okay. what, what uh what do you think she becomes in Starfleet? You mean like an engineer, a doctor, or something like yeah, that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Um Is there an answer like robotics specialist because that's a data connection? You know, it's something that you know. It's it's okay. something
1: that is very in line with, you know, the roles that you've seen.
0: Okay. Um i'm really thinking about this i'm gonna go with a with a a dark horse and say um uh tactical or security or something like that
1: i actually know she's medical damn um she eventually regains her memory of the events of pen pals as well of course she does why wouldn't she (laughs) (laughs) just no stakes at all yeah Well,
0: that, I'll, um, that's I'm, really nice. I'm great. It? That's the exact kind of disappointing continuation I would expect of an extended universe. Production.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, what 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 more could you ask for? Now, my question is, why does she return in the, the novel series Corps of Engineers and she's a medical officer?
0: Maybe the exiles were foisted um, uh, by 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 engineering by their own by their own picard (laughs) (laughs) all right well that's it it's a wonderful wonderful well-prepared uh trivia question but it's it's, thank you it's it's, you're welcome it's great because it deepens my (laughs) my disgust with um anything but the core series (laughs) all right well that's gonna do it for this week um going to do it for pen pals i had to think about the title for a moment um pretty good day of discussion i think and i would hope yeah that, that everybody here would come and join us again next week where we'll do probably the same thing actually next week is a q episode i saw that in the, the list Ooh. of so be ready for some yeah, more that's gonna de, be a weird one some more delancey stories yeah. i'm uh i'm excited just thinking about it So, please please come back again. You're always welcome to enter our readier room. And until the next time, everybody, please stay readier. The troublesome little man-child. Consider that in the history of many worlds, there have always been disposable creatures.
1: getting